All right, John uh, chapter 5. I want to title this lesson today, uh, Jesus, the Resurrection and the Life. Amen. And this is, we're celebrating Palm Sunday today, which of course is traditionally uh, celebrated as the the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, okay? And, and the people were throwing palm branches on the way because uh, they believed that their king was coming to them. And he no doubt was, And uh, but uh, a turn of events later that week changed things, but it was all in God's plan. And uh, of course, next week we'll talk about the Easter story somewhat. But uh, anyways, for today, we're going to start in John chapter 5 and verse 24. And like I said, the title is Jesus, the Resurrection and the Life. So let's pray this morning over the word we're going to read and the word we're going to receive. Praise God. So, Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. We give you thanks for this time and this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, once again that we have the ability and, and, and just this privilege to look into your word together as a group. And so, Lord, as we look into it today, we pray your blessings upon it. We give us the ability, Lord, and the ears to hear and the eyes to see what your word says to us today, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Amen. So John chapter 5 and verse 24, <clears throat> just want to read a couple of verses here, and then we'll move along to another part of John uh, for the bulk of the, of the, of the lesson. So John chapter 5, verse 24 says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself and has given Him authority to execute judgment also because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and read verse 30. And Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Praise God for that. Verses 25 and 27, I just wanted to draw a little bit of attention to that as we get ready to go into this lesson. <coughs> Excuse me. Verses 25 to 27, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself, and has given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He's the Son of Man. What I want us to see here today, and when Jesus, uh, with this title of this lesson, that He is the resurrection and the life, through these verses here, we see that Jesus already possessed the power over death. This here is what He's talking about, is a prelude to what He's going to do later concerning His friend Lazarus. That's what he's talking about. The time has come and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Amen. Then verses 28 and 29, just briefly, it says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation, or I believe the King James says uh, damnation. Jesus foretells here of the first and second resurrection, and I, He talks here that this is our blessed hope. We learn later on in the Bible that that's why we believe in Jesus. That's why we accept Him as Lord and Savior, because whether we want to accept it or not, one of these days, this life and this body that we live in is going to come to an end one way or another. Either we're going to fly away to go be with Jesus in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, or this body will die and we'll lay it down and it'll be put in the grave. But one way or another, there's a resurrection coming. Amen. So now just turn over a few pages in your Bible to John chapter 11. And that's where we want to take the bulk of our lesson from today. Just over a couple of pages to John chapter 11. And I'd like to walk us through some of these verses and the things that the Lord uh, wants us to see here, I believe. Amen. I'll give you just a moment. John chapter 11. Amen. <clears throat> this is the story of Jesus' friend Lazarus. And this story takes place not too long before Jesus actually went in and made the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Not, not too many days before this is when this story takes place. So this was very close to the moment of what we call Palm Sunday. And I think that's neat how the Lord has shown us this story today in celebration of Palm Sunday. So uh, John chapter 11, let's begin in verse, uh, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, <clears throat> the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, the same Mary, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Verse 4 says, When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now these two sisters knew that they loved Jesus, and Jesus loved them, and Jesus also loved their brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus was sick and must have been pretty bad sick and to the point of death. <coughs> Excuse me. So they sent to Jesus. Lord, we need you to come because Lazarus is sick. And it must be, and it must have been an urgent plea that they had. And so when we read verse 4, it says, Jesus heard that. He said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. If we belong to Jesus, whatever happens is for the glory of God. If we're a friend of Jesus, whatever happens in our life is going to be for the glory of God because we believe that He has orchestrated our life. When we come to Him, His plan is now set forth in our life. I want you to think about a few of these things. I just jotted these down this morning during Sunday school. I hadn't even thought about these. In sickness or in health, may God be glorified and may Jesus Christ be glorified. See, there's a whole lot of religions out here, a whole lot of denominations even within Christianity. They just pick one side. They just want all the good. They just want all the blessing. But even if we are sick, may God be glorified in my sickness. If I'm healthy, may He be glorified in my health. Amen? What about poverty or wealth? Whether I'm poor or whether I'm rich, whether I don't have a whole lot or I've been blessed tremendously with earthly things, may God and His Son Jesus Christ be glorified through that. 
See, Lazarus was sick and Jesus made this statement. It's not unto death, but it's the reason he's sick and the reason that he's at the point of death is so that I may be glorified. Hallelujah. We learn a great lesson here. Amen. What about hardship versus prosperity? Some things in life's hard. Other things in life seem to just come real easy. Either way, may God receive the glory. May He be glorified in all things. On our bad days and on our good days, to God be the glory. Amen? See, we always want God to take away all the bad and just give us the good. But we learn here from Jesus that even in the bad, even in the sickness, even in the poverty, even in the problem days, let God be glorified. Amen? Praise God. In persecution or in exaltation? Sometimes when you're a Christian, people just love you to death. Other times when you're a true Christian, people don't like you so much. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. And in death and in life, may Jesus Christ and God the Father receive glory. We know some people's been healed of certain diseases and God receives the glory. Some people have died from the same disease, but yet God got the glory. Amen. Amen. I was thinking this morning <clears throat> along this line, I have two grandmothers who lived very different lives. They were a lot the same, but they were a whole lot different in their circumstances. And one of them said to me one time, not long before she died, her life went a certain direction. But she looked at me, and I had always kind of looked at her life as it was, you know, she had some pretty tough times in life. But she told me one time, she said, when I die, she said, I don't want people to cry over me a whole lot. She said, because I've lived a long, happy life. And she said, I, the Lord has blessed me, and I've had a good life. So even though she died, God was glorified in the fact that she felt like she'd lived a good life. Amen? <coughs> then I had another grandmother whose situation was completely different. Little known to a lot of people, she had a very hard life. Behind the scenes, behind closed doors, things were hard for her. And that was tough. But she said the same thing. That even though I've had a tough life, she told me one time and it floored me. God's been good to me. So on the good days and on the bad days, whether we feel like we've had a good life or whether we felt like we've had a rough life, God receives the glory through Jesus Christ. Amen. So whatever our circumstance is, Jesus is saying here, this sickness is so that I may receive glory. Amen. Either way. Either way. Verses 5 through 7. <clears throat> now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. What in the world is going on now? They've said to Jesus, our brother's dying. You've got to come and help him. And Jesus sat down and waited two more days. He knew something that nobody else knew, didn't he? <laughs> Jesus knew a little secret that nobody else knew. Because if you're thinking the way we think, He'd have dropped everything he had because this was one of his close friends. He'd have dropped everything and went running off to save Lazarus from dying. Because at this point, everybody knew Jesus had power over sickness. 
He'd healed multitudes at this point in time. This was right next to the point in time where he's getting ready to be crucified. So he had already proven he had power over sickness. Amen. Praise God. Jesus waited two more days. And I think I was writing this down this morning. So a lot of these things come to me just this morning. And you sometimes don't see it in the scriptures because you just read it for the story's sake and you real, don't realize that it's speaking to us. So Jesus waited two more days, and that made me think of this. The Lord's plan for your life is pre-planned and perfect. He will perform His will in His time. Lazarus is sick and on his way to death. His sisters are troubled and turmoil. All the friends and probably neighbors are, when is Jesus going to make it here? He's got to hurry. But the whole time the Lord's over here waiting two more days. There's things in our life we wish would happen quicker. We wish that the Lord would, what we call, get it in gear, right? Lord, I, I know you said you're going to do this, but man, it's taking forever. But guess what? The Lord may just be just like Jesus here in this story. He's just sitting there waiting. Don't worry about it. I got a plan. I'm going to receive glory through your turmoil and your waiting. Think about how much heartache these people are getting ready to go through and the Lord's just sitting there going, wait, wait. Because he was going to receive more glory because Lazarus died and was raised back to life than if he'd have just simply healed him. <laughs> Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Verses 8 through 10. So remember that. The Lord's plan for your life is pre-planned and perfect. And He'll do it in His time. He doesn't fail. Amen? He's never failed me and He's never failed you. We're the ones that fail. He does not fail. Praise God. Verses 8 through 10. The disciples said to Him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you're going to go there again? And Jesus answered, <clears throat> Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Verse 10 says, But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. The light of Christ, what Jesus is saying here, is the light of Christ has got to shine in this darkened world. Just being afraid of some evil people wanting to do some bad things, that's not enough to make us stay home. Amen. They were saying because, see, this is the reason Jesus had went to this place where he's currently at. So they sought to stone him. They was after him. They'd done issued the decree. Bring him to us privately. We're going to do away with him. So he had to stay away. And so now his disciples are troubled, saying, well, wait a minute. We, we just escaped all this, and now you're going to go right back into the same place? And Jesus said, I'm not worried about it. The light has to shine. Praise God. And it's the same for you and I. The light of Christ needs to shine in this darkened world. We don't need to hide from it. Amen? Amen. Verses 11 through 14. These things he said, and after that he said, that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Jesus already knew. 
He's already died. And there seems to be no hope. Jesus already knew that his sisters were weeping and crying. He already knew what he was going to encounter when he got there. He spoke plainly to them. Lazarus is dead. But I go <laughs> that I may wake him from his sleep. Hallelujah. Jesus knew what man did not. And Jesus knows what man does not know even today. And I'm going to maybe be on my soapbox here just for a moment. A true prophet of God knows the truth. A true prophet of God knows the truth and speaks the truth no matter how hard it is to accept. Jesus was the greatest prophet that ever lived. Amen. And he flat told him, Lazarus is dead. I already know he's dead. There's a lot of people in this world today, they spoke a lot of things in supposed words for God about elections and a lot of things. And they lied. A true prophet speaks the truth even when it's hard to accept. And he told his disciples right here, Lazarus is dead. Because if they were a friend of Jesus, they were a friend of the disciples too. So these people were close. Verses 15 and 16 says this. It's a strange statement, but we see the, the truth in it. Verse 15. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us, go, let us also go that we may die with him. They knew that there was going to be persecution when they got back close to Jerusalem again. But one of the things I want you to, to, to see here, especially in verse 15, Jesus is glad that he didn't heal Lazarus before he died. What? That doesn't sound right, does it? Surely God wouldn't want somebody to suffer to the point of death. But Jesus testified to his own disciples. What did he say in verse 15? I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. But there was a reason he was glad. That you may believe. Hallelujah. Believe what? Jesus is glad that he didn't heal Lazarus before he died. Why? So that the disciples would believe that he and he alone had the power to call the dead from the grave. You've got to remember something. There had been miracles performed in the land of Israel and even by Jesus where people had died and they were brought back to life, but it was just a few moments after the fact that it happened. There was always those naysayers that could say, well, they weren't really dead. They, they, maybe they were just unconscious. There was always a way that people could spin things and say, well, it really wasn't what everybody says. You know, He was just incapacitated a while and, and maybe he did have healing power, but he didn't bring nobody back from the dead. But Jesus is getting ready to demonstrate that after four days in the tomb, not just four days dead, four days in the tomb, that he had the power to speak and the dead to come forth. Amen? He had power and he had it alone to call the dead from the grave. That's why he says in verse 15, I'm glad I wasn't there because if I would have been there, I would have healed him and he wouldn't have died but I'm going to receive more glory because now that he's died, I'm going to demonstrate to you and I'm going to demonstrate to the world and I'm going to demonstrate to believers, unbelievers, Christians, non-Christians, and even people all the way right now to 2,000 years later that I have the power over death. Praise God. That's why Jesus said, 
I'm glad I wasn't there. <laughs> because you're getting ready to see something miraculous. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now in verses 17, let's take a look at it. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. We know two of them days Jesus was just waiting around, right? He just waited. What's significant about the four days? Now, I'm just going off of what some people have said in commentaries over the past. The, the Bible doesn't say this, but this was common in Jerusalem and in Judea in those days. Many of the Jews of that day believed that the spirit of a person who had died hung around for three days. They always believed it about three days. That person's spirit would kind of hang around before it went off into eternity. So it was common for people in those days that after three days, you know, it's over. There, there's no chance now that somebody's spirit can come back to them. It's, they're, they're done. This would, uh, <clears throat> they believe that the, uh, the spirit would hang around uh, for three days before leaving into eternity. This would be the greatest miracle ever performed as Jesus was getting ready to call the departed spirit of Lazarus back to his earthly body and Lazarus would live again. Jesus had restored life to several people, but they had only been dead for minutes or maybe hours, not days, and definitely not from the grave after four days. I want you to think about this miracle. Jesus went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and those next few days, he healed people. He still healed people. But this miracle right here may be one of the greatest, other than his own resurrection, was probably the greatest miracle Jesus ever performed because it outshined them all. Because four days in the ground, there's no chance he was unconscious. There was no chance that maybe somebody misdiagnosed that you still had a heartbeat. You're done. Amen. Verses 18 through 21. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, we don't always understand God's plan or his timing. Martha is very troubled. Lord, if you had just made it here in time, my brother wouldn't have died. Martha didn't understand God's plan or his timing. She didn't. Verses 22 through 24. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now evidently Martha wanted Jesus to pray for the soul or the spirit of her brother. She wanted to pray because a lot of people have taken this as she was trying to say Jesus could actually do it. But then by the next statement, you understand she didn't think Jesus could actually make him come back to life right then. She was just saying, well, pray for his soul, pray for his spirit that, that he will be raised in the last day. She had no idea Jesus was about to demonstrate his power over death. Amen. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, 
She makes the statement. Let's read 24 again. Martha said to him, Well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus makes this statement, and this is the title of our lesson. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He alone holds the power to quicken our mortal bodies. And those who believe in Him will never die. There is no life from the dead apart from Jesus. There is no resurrection apart from Jesus. Jesus actually, He didn't say here, I'm the one who's going to do the resurrection. He didn't say, I'm the one that has the power of resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. And the life. So in Him is where we have eternal life. In Him is where our loved ones that we have lost to the grave are going to be raised again one day. Amen? Amen. Verses 26 and 27. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Eternal life here we see is granted to whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, there is no salvation. Jesus said it right here Himself. <coughs> Amen. Verses 28 through 32. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were, who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, death is hard. <coughs> Sometimes we wonder why the Lord doesn't spare our loved ones from death. Sometimes the Lord heals people and sometimes He doesn't. It's a hard thing that we have to face is death. Death is the last enemy that's going to be swallowed up. Amen. And as we read here and we see what Jesus is saying, and we see uh, Mary's reaction with Jesus, she simply says there, look again uh, in, in verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell down at His feet saying to Him, Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. And you know that the scene and the spectacle that was there was a place of mourning. Everybody in the community, the family, they were sad that Lazarus had died. Their loved one was gone. It's hard. And Jesus knows this. Amen. Verses 33. I'm going to read verses 33 through 38 and we'll talk a little bit about those. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. 
Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? This is where we learn that Jesus is our faithful high priest. He is touched with our infirmities, our weaknesses, and our heartaches. I have heard a lot of people teach this, and I guess it's how, however you view God is how you interpret these verses we just read, 33 through 37. If you, if you interpret these scriptures by, with the attitude and with the mindset that God is a, a slave master and a taskmaster and He's hardcore uh, against mankind, then you're going to come up with this attitude where everybody a lot of times likes to say that, well, nobody believes in, in Jesus, nobody has any faith, and all these kinds of different things, and he's uh, crying because people won't believe in him. I've heard people say that. But Jesus cries here because he's touched with the infirmities of the people who love him. If what other people says that Jesus was upset because they didn't have any faith and then he was groaning in himself because they didn't believe in him, then that's not accurate because then Hebrews is telling us a lie that Jesus is our good and faithful high priest who is touched with our infirmities and weaknesses. <coughs> Jesus is our faithful high priest. When you hurt, he knows what it's like. Think about what he's seen here. Two women whom he loved, who had believed in everything he taught them, who had taken care of his needs and who trusted in him, and is, they're sad and they're heartbroken. And Jesus sees all these other people weeping and heartbroken, and he groans within himself. Because why? Because death is hard. Death is not what God intended for mankind. And Jesus is here seeing what sin has done even to the very people he loves. And he groans. And it says there, I think in verse 35, that he wept. Hallelujah. This is our faithful and good high priest. Verse 39, Jesus says, or verse 38, I'm sorry. Then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. <clears throat> and Jesus said, I want you to just think, let's think about that just for a moment, this verse. When the person was dead four days and they'd been placed in this cave and there was a stone put in front of it, that's final. That's a finality. That's no different than when we lower our loved one in a casket down into the ground and they put that dirt on them, it's over. It's final. That's a hard thing, isn't it? And Jesus looks up here and he sees this cave. And he sees the rock placed in front of him. And you have to think, what are all these people thinking when Jesus is going over here now? And what does he say? Take a look at this. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. <laughs> I'm telling you one thing. If you were standing there and seeing this happen, you probably had two thoughts go through your mind. One of two thoughts. Either we're getting ready to see something special or Jesus has lost it. Because after four days, this is not going to be a pretty sight. Amen? Amen. So verse 39, Jesus said, Take away the stone. And then Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to Jesus, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he had four days. 
In verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Jesus is confident of what he's about to do. People doubted. Martha doubted. And we also would have doubted if we'd have been there. I, love, I, I get tickled at, at, at preachers and teachers that get up and teach stories like this and they condemn Martha and they condemn all the other people because they doubted. Well, if you'd have been there, you'd have doubted too. Shame on them for throwing shade on, uh, on God's people. They didn't know what to expect. They'd never seen nothing like this. Amen? We'd have doubted too. Now imagine being there. What would have been going through your mind? You'd have thought, like I said before, either Jesus is getting ready to do something never seen before or he's lost his grip on reality. <coughs> there was no other way to look at it. Amen? <clears throat> Verses 41 and 42. Then they took the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus prays to his Father. Jesus says that the Father always hears him. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is demonstrating. He'd already been praying about this. He'd already received instruction from the Father as to what was going to take place that day. And that's why in front of all this multitude of people, Jesus said, I thank you, God, that you hear me. I thank you, Father, that you always hear me. Hallelujah. That's why when you and I need something from the throne of grace, that's why when we need something from the God of all creation who created heaven and earth, how do we get there? How do we get access to that place? We say, Lord Jesus our Savior, our Messiah, our King who died on that cross. We pray unto Him, and guess what? The Father hears because He's got the Father's ear, don't He? Amen? Whatever, the, whatever Jesus speaks to the Father, the Father listens. Amen? Amen. That's why we pray to our faithful high priest. He lives forever to make intercession for us, and the Father listens to the Son. Praise God. And in the last two verses that we're going to read today is verses 43 and 44. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to think about standing there. Okay. He said, move the stone. We know he's been in there four days, starting to rot away. Now Jesus, he don't back down, but he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, it was probably just a moment of waiting for him to get up and come out. What would you have been thinking? Your eyes would have been fixed on the, the cave and on Jesus. What's, what's happening here? Then all of a sudden, Lazarus appears, bound in grave clothes. Walking out of the tomb. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 44. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with the cloth. And Jesus said to them, and this is my favorite part of this whole story, loose him and let him go. <laughs> One of these days, 
We're going to go be with Him. And all the boundaries and all the things that constrict us here, the Lord's going to say, turn them loose. Death has no more hold on them. Pain has no more hold on them. And the things of this earth and the grief that it has has no more hold. Turn them loose. Loose them and let them go. Hallelujah. Jesus demonstrated, as we're close with this, Jesus demonstrated His power over death. This is why the Christian doesn't fear death the way everybody else does. I'm not saying we don't have some reservation about death. When the moment comes to us, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of anxiety there. That, wow, this is it. I, I, I'm no longer going to be alive on this earth. You know, and for people who get to see that coming, I don't know what goes through their mind. It has to be a hard thing. But we don't fear it quite the way everybody else does because we have this promise. We know that, well, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and then they killed Jesus and he raised himself from the dead and he's promised that he's going to quicken my mortal body as long as I believe in him. And so that gives us a hope and we can go into death knowing these things. Amen. We trust in Jesus to quicken our mortal bodies even if we die. We believe he will raise us back to life at the resurrection of the last day. We trust in the promise of Jesus himself for ourselves for our loved ones, and for anybody else who has already died that has, has been in Christ Jesus. And this comes back to full circle to what we read in John chapter 5. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Amen. We have a blessed hope. Because Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave four days into it. And how did he do it? Did he get up there and did he make a big spectacle and go through some ritual and, and blow smoke around and all that stuff? What did he do? He spoke his name, Lazarus, come forth. He's going to speak our name one day and we're going to hear his voice. And praise God, we're going to be with Him forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank You, Lord, for this message You've given us today. These truths, God, that we have seen here in the Gospel of John. Almost all of these were Your words. Hallelujah. Lord, we take comfort today in our loved ones that's gone on to be with You. All of us, Lord, we have people special to us that are laying in the ground somewhere just like Lazarus was. But Lord, we know someday that that's just going to become a temporary thing. That was just a moment. That was just an inkling of, of time in all of eternity. And so, Lord, we trust that you're going to bring them all to be with you one day. And we trust, Lord, that <clears throat> for ourselves, that even if this life has to be laid down in this old body, that you're going to come rescue us one day and you'll do just like you did with Lazarus. You're going to call our name and we're going to come forth and you're going to say, loose us and let us go. We thank you, Lord, for your resurrection power. For you and you alone hold the power of life. And you and you alone have the victory over death. And we give you thanks for it today in Jesus' name. And we thank you and pray that you keep each and every one safe until the next appointed time. Amen. Amen.